This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. We are back with episode four of the Wombles Had a Dream podcast. Finchy is here with me again. How are you doing, mate? I'm very well, thank you, Jamie. And how are you? I've been better. I've been better. I've uh, I've had a positive uh, test result for COVID nineteen, so I'm a bit under the weather. So if there's any coughing fits uh, throughout any of this episode, then I do apologise in advance. Uh, Luckily, we're socially distanced for this. So yeah, exactly. You can't catch it through. Uh... I don't want to be self-isolating. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so today, later on, we have... Start that again. So later on, we will be chatting to Dave Anderson. Uh, but first, we're going to be discussing London Broncos playing at Plough Lane. Uh, what are your thoughts, Finchie? Uh, so at first I was a little bit against it because I think it's the whole plough lane is means so much to Wimbledon fans. And when I heard that there'd be another team playing there, I was like, no, I don't like, it's like building your dream house and then letting someone rent it during the summer uh, when you're away. But now I've thought about it longer and I've thought about it more. I want, I actually think it's a good idea. I think the club financially will need the help. It will pay off. Uh, our loan, our bridging loan, uh, and people got bonds that we need to be paying back. Uh, yeah, and, and and rugby league is in the summer, so it gives us hopefully another revenue stream. And and, I, and I'd take my boys, I'd take my boys to go watch rugby league. I, I would go watch London Broncos versus Wigan or Windus. I don't really know much about rugby league, but I would take my boys to go watch it. And we're helping a club out who have struggled with grounds themselves. They've been twenty years, I think it is now, playing it different grounds. I think they're currently in Ealing. Yeah. And, and we'd be helping them out. And I think it's it's a good, I think it's win-win for us and for them. Uh, again, what's your thoughts on that, Jane? Well, I think that um, the, the, the main, the main thing in it is, is money. Um, there's been different uh, amounts of money reported as, as what they'd be paying us to, to, to ground share. Um, that money will go towards helping paying off what we need to pay off um, and also 
could drip down into playing budget and things like that. Um, I don't know what it would do to the pitch. Um, and I don't particularly want loads of London Broncos branding everywhere. You know, I don't want a London Broncos badge up next to the Wimbledon badge. You know, that we pictures have been released this week. The new um, one, yeah. The new one on the wall. I don't want a massive London Broncos badge there. Um, I know the club have come out and said that a lot of a lot of the branding, the electronic billboards, and the um, and the the electronic billboards and the screen will change on match days and stuff. So there'll be no per, not much permanent branding going up, which 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 I'll be happy with. Um, but like you said, it, it helps them out. We need to remember our roots, and um, a lot of, a lot of clubs helped us out. Um, I think it's win win, like you said. Yeah, I, your point, I, I made that on the Twitter page uh, at Wobble's Dream that I wouldn't be overly happy with uh, our branding being diluted because it is our grandest power lane, again, it, what it means. And there was a, a London Broncos fan who tweeted us, Chris Caulfield, and he says, we've never really had logos all over the, anywhere in the past. Imagine all our fans would be grateful just to have a proper home. And I think that's the thing. With the 10 years, I think they just want somewhere where they can play and maybe get into Super League. Uh, proper home for a while and would take almost anything. Some photos that could be taken down on game days and would be nice to get. How, uh, and we, we understand how emotive Plough Lane is. And I, I agree. When I thought, oh, I don't want that Wimbledon badge looks brilliant on that wall. Mm-hmm. So then having a London Broncos ones against it kind of then, do you know what I mean? It takes it, it away. It takes but, away from it, yeah. But he was saying that they've never had any real logos anywhere. Uh, some people have said about the club shop, will the club shop be selling London Broncos stuff? I can't see that being a big issue if they've got a little section in our club shop. No. It dep- again, it depends on what the deal is. And I think that's where a lot of people at the moment are struggling and, and totally against the idea because we haven't had any details from the club. Again, the club comes, you get an email yep. as a Don Strath member after the Charlton result, which is kind of strange that that comes out after we get beat 5-2. And... The comms again, it's like we're, you might not even be able to vote on it and stuff like that. And I, I don't think that helps in situations like this. Uh, I think we'll have to discuss the comms uh, on another episode. But yeah, they could have been a little bit more helpful with that. I think that this is um, this is such a big issue and such a, you know, it's going to split our fan base somewhat. Um, I, th- I think absolute transparency, uh, transparency, uh, Easy to use, yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> absolute transparency. There we go. Uh, is is a must, really. Um, we need mm. to know exactly what's going on. We need to know exactly what's on the table, um, mm. because yeah, you know we are a fans club. Um, a, a lot yeah. of fans uh, have put their money in the pocket with the bond to get us back to Plough Lane. If those fans are then not. Uh, part of the decision process uh, with this, you know, that's going to rub, that's not going to sit right with me. And I think it's going to rub a lot of fans up the wrong way. Yeah, no, again, I totally agree. Transparency is the key. And I think that's where the club lets itself down. They're not transparent. But we also got to remember that we do, we do a point a board that we need to now start trusting. I believe that all the board members that are on that board now are very good people. You've got some big names in there, Charlie Talbot, Xavier Wiggins. They know what they're talking about. They're a couple of businessmen. They know what they're doing. 
we need to now trust these people that they're going to put the right decisions in place. We can't vote for everything. I agree on this. We we should be. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm I'm for it because say the figures come out and said it was a million pound a year and stuff like that, everyone would be going yes straight away. Uh, I don't know how the Super League vote goes against it now because they they voted uh, on Monday and London Broncos didn't get into the Super League. No, but, I think the um the 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 deal was on the table before Super yeah. League was ever was ever an option really. Because um, it's it's a it's a ten year deal they want. Yeah. So they obviously they want it for long term. They want I think they've got a new businessman that's just taken over London Broncos as well as put in quite a bit of money. My worry and, and another fan who, who who spoke to me said that he's worried that will they then offer to buy fifty percent of Plough Lane down the line? Will they try and fund it that way? Will they try and do that and then I mean, we can't be doing that. Flowering has to be Wimbledon and AFC Wimbledon's only. Yeah, well, I mean, then then you're venturing into outside investment hmm. debate, uh, which I think we should probably save for another podcast. Um, Definitely. If any, yeah, I was going to say, if anyone wants to come on with regards to outside investment, anything regarding London Broncos or anything, if, if there's a London Broncos fan out there who wants to come on and speak to us around London Broncos about rugby league, about what it means for them to be playing at Plough Lane, then get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to speak to you about it. Uh, but yeah, for me, it's a yes. Uh, and hopefully at this time, yeah, we'll, I'll, I'll, I would be happy with it. Sweet. Shall we, uh, shall we get Dave in? Yeah, let's speak to Dave Anderson. Yeah, cool. We are very excited to welcome our special guest of the podcast this week, ex-AFC Wimbledon manager, Mr. Dave Anderson. It's a pleasure to have you on, mate. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good, thanks. It's uh, nice to be on, nice to be asked, nice that there's a, another podcast about the club. So um, I think it's a great idea. Thanks, Dave. It's good to have you on, mate. How are you uh, coping with COVID and uh, lockdowns and stuff? Yeah, and that, um, the first one was all right. I mean, my, my business is um, I sort of deliver wine and spirits and stuff. So you can imagine that, like, um, we're just doing this tonight. Was it? Don't even know what night it is. Monday night, is it? Um, yeah, and um, and we've we've gone into tier three. That'll affect me massively, you know. So, but it, it's like anything. You you just you know you, you just have to get on with. It. There's. There's people who fought in two world wars who sort of look at you and laugh, you know. So um, I think uh, I've missed sort of as much as I don't manage and, and I, um, I love to play a lot of golf. I do sneak into the odd game. I like still going to watch non-league football. In fact, Saturday I went and seen one of our old players, uh, Dean Brennan, who's a manager at Wilson and, and it's quite close to me. So I'd go in there from time to time. And But... It, Covid it's killed everything, and you know as much as as the sports concerned. But we've got to get get over it and sort of move on. And um, you know the, the new grounds a whole different thing as well. I'm sure we'll come on to it. But I'm fine, man. I'm fine at my age. At my age and my weight, I've got to be careful. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not the age, but yeah, the weight I've got to be careful. <laughs> uh, I guess we should probably start at the beginning, Dave. Uh, yeah. With your playing days, the playing days. Yeah, yeah. I've done you loads of black research. and white, black and white screenshot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, 
so you grew up in Northern Ireland before moving over to England to play youth football. Yeah. Uh, Wolves and Sheffield United, wasn't it? Yeah. How did yeah, that, how did that all come about? Well, I um, I was a schoolboy international, um, and anybody that sort of reached that sort of level, you'd have a good chance of going to an English club. And and I'd had three or four sort of wanted me to go over on trial, and uh, and the first one I went to was Wolves. I, I, I think one of the big reasons I picked Wolves is I was a massive Slade fan. There'll be lots of people watch this don't even know who Slade are, but they, but they they're, they they come from Wolverhampton, and um, so I went I went to Wolves on trial, um, did okay, but nothing substantial came of it. When I went back home, I signed for a team called Glen Torren, um, but shortly after sort of signing for them, I was then. I then went to Sheffield United um, and spent some time there. Again, didn't really cut it, if I'm being blunt, um, and went back home to, to Glen Torn again. So that, that was sort of my, my trips to England, if you like. Uh, uh, and, and I, you know, I, I never thought I would ever move to England. Um, I'd said it, I'd said it, I'd said it football. But then during my career at home, I, I got injured early on. I, I'm going to guess I was about 23, something like that. And had an injury that, um, well, basically finished me as a, as a, as a goalkeeper. And um, I, I, I was then mates with a guy called Norman Whitehead. I still speak to him, actually, um, who a lot of people would remember. And um, he was just sort of on the verge of getting in Man United's first team and ban a house. So I moved to Manchester. So I left home and, and, and sort of moved to Manchester. Uh, and my best mate, God bless him, he's no longer with us, was a guy called Alan McDonald, who again captain Queen's Park Rangers in, in Northern Ireland. And I came down to his his first wedding and met my now wife. So that's skipping over my career quickly to get to England, to get to London, otherwise we'd be here all night. Um, career, <laughs> as, as a goalkeeper, I was okay. You know, I, I played school went in ice and all. Youth International was in a couple of B International squads. There was a guy around called Pat Jennings at the time who, who to be fair, is 79 and could probably play better than I was then. <laughs> so uh, I, um, it, it never sort of materialised. And the injury got me into coaching early. So once I, came, once I was in Manchester, I took some badges in Manchester, went out and coached in America for a bit at some soccer camps. Um, and as I say, I'd, I'd been to London and met Paul and my wife at all McDonald's. For, I say first wedding because he ended up getting divorced and remarried. But um, and that's sort of the clock. So that's how I ended up in London and sort of get into non league. Because you, you mentioned Glen Torrance, it's quite funny because I've been out to Belfast a few times. I've got friends over in uh, Ballybean. Yeah. Oh, and, East uh, Belfast. Yeah. And they're big Glen Torrance. Well, big Glenmen as they call yeah. them, they go to the Oval quite often. But when I went, I wanted to go to watch Linfield, so we I got taken to the uh, what's this national stadium? Windsor Park, was, yeah, Windsor Park. That's it, Windsor Park before it got done up. So I went to watch Linfield play Ballymena. Uh, uh, yeah, so I'm more of a Blues man than well, a Glens man, it's so funny, I get a lot of stick for that. Yeah, uh, well, to be fair, I grew up in a state in, in North Belfast, a housing state called Rothcool. Um, produced some good players over the years, like Jimmy Nickel, Manchester United, Big Mac, um, obviously uh, Johnny Evans, Cor- Corey Evans, 
you know, all come out of the estate. I'll probably have forgotten someone I'll get slaughtered for. But that, you know, so good names <laughs> out of it. But the, the estate was a massive Linfield estate. And as a kid, I always went and watched Linfield. I hated Glen Torrent. And, and I'd signed for Linfield just before I went to Wolves. Um, but I, I um, the, something happened. When I signed, I didn't have a parent with me or a guardian to, to sign schoolboy forms. And that's how we we got the contract null and void so I could go to Wolves. But I was always a Linfield fan. And then I found myself playing for Glen Torrent against Linfield. <laughs> and believe me, with every one of my mates in the stand, absolutely murdering me as I went off at half time. If you remember the old Windsor Park, it used to be up the side by by the goal. Oh, no. And they were all yeah. in that end, you know. And they used to and and you know, everybody's got a nickname. My nickname was Andy because of Anderson. So when people were shouting uh, Dave or whatever, you, you but once you heard Andy, you knew it was your mates, you know. Uh, and they proper abused me. So when I was in the dugout at Wimbledon and I was getting some stick, people used to worry if I was okay with it. Believe me, <laughs> yeah. I was well trained. You know, so I if, guess if so, you... so it's just that the way it happened that Glen Tom was a better option for me to play first team football. Um, Cause never, the, you know, the ones I get told about is the Boxing Day games, yeah. Glen Torrin versus Linfield at Windsor Park. Uh, and there's been trouble and stuff like that. But yeah, if you've, if you've experienced a Glen Torrin Linfield game, then Wimbledon versus Wharton and Hersham ain't going to be too much, really, is it? <laughs> no, it wasn't. So. It wasn't. And, <laughs> and it was, uh, I always remember as a kid, like, a, I say a kid, I'm guessing I'm 15, 16, something like that. I was playing football at the time, but, you know, um, yeah, the Boxing Day games, it was back in the 70s where Belfast was, <laughs> was no debt to beat in most days. But, but, um, but yeah, I remember them well. But it, great atmospheres, you know, and the playing. You know, played in a couple of them, and 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 yeah, real fiery, fiery atmosphere. You know, but uh, but yeah, it's funny that you've been Bully Bean in a well. He's Belfast. You know, it's it's um, yeah, it's rough paper round round there. Let me tell you, you need to keep your head down. Round there. <laughs> and I I got driven in, and then it said, "Welcome to Bally Bean." I was like, "Why are they graffiti in their own wall?" And he was like, "It's it's not graffiti, don't worry about it." But then he took me to the uh, the mural of uh, Healy scoring against England. Uh, that was the first place he took yeah. me. Uh, my mate took me to that <laughs> straight away. Uh, our little country beating England. So, so Dave, you you yes. mentioned you were a goalkeeper back in your playing days, uh, and Wimbledon seemed to yeah. be producing some quality young goalkeepers from the youth setup, mm-hmm. but none of them seemed to be yeah. stepping up uh, into the first team. So, what is your view on our current model that we seem to be getting loan keepers from the Premiership or Championship for a season, and then we lose and sell our young goalkeepers on to Say the holes we lost Manion to Hole, Berzik went to Stoke and stuff like that. What, do you, what's yeah. your view on that kind of model at the moment? Well, I think it's that you see, the, the problem with goalkeepers is a very, very difficult position to fill. You know, um, in as much as that you can very rarely put a young man in there and leave him to earn his stripes, if you like. Um, which is why for Premier League clubs let people like. AFC Wimbledon have goalkeepers because they want you they, they want him to make his mistakes with, with with Wimbledon so he can go back to wherever he goes back to to, to, to be a first team goalkeeper so uh, so to bring you all the way through into the first team uh, it's the hardest position in the pits to do that you know so uh, that that doesn't surprise me that that it's that no one has broken all the way through from the youth team into, into the first team 
Um, I think probably the the only way it would ever happen is if you get someone through and then, then Wimbledon loan them out to, I don't know, a conference club or something like that where he gets he earns his spurs and comes back experienced in, in sort of big boys football for want of a better description then you would feed him into your team i think that's only the way the only way you can do it and you know <laughs> the reason you end up loaning goalkeepers and to be fair i think the club's got a good record in in who they've loaned mm. you yeah. know mm. um they've done well um it it, it it's just how else can you do can you do it? You can have, you get them down. They're obviously at a at a higher level for a reason. You know, you you put them into into your first team, and and they their ability then is you're giving them the experience, so you get their ability. And and don't get me wrong, when they go back, their parent club gets gets all the fun out of it. But it's a very very difficult one. I mean, I, I was well, I, I basically I sold the club GM Shea from Horaburra. If you yeah. remember, I'm trying to trying to think of you know is that the last goalkeeper that the club have James signed? James Shea, I'd say, the, was our last uh, number one goalkeeper yeah. that was ours. Mm-hmm. So. Joe McDonald. I'm not. I remember Joe. Joe was alone at Harrow as well, and I watched him. Harrow or Hendon, I can't remember. I remember watching him a couple of times. Um, but but Shazy, you know, was one of them that I um, I, I knew that the club was looking for a goalkeeper. I knew he was good enough and I was desperate to put the two things together. And I remember I, phone, I spoke to Arge and Arge sent Basil to watch us. I was at Harrow and um, Basil thought he was decent and he, he went down. I wouldn't let him go anywhere. There had a few interests from clubs and I wouldn't let him go anywhere to train with him. I went, look, come and watch him as much as you want. But you're not getting him on trial. Come and watch him a million times and then sign him or don't sign him. But, but I let him go to Wimbledon, you know, which is, uh, just like, you know, go. Um, and then Ards wasn't sure, and we didn't think it was going to happen. So I let him, I think he went to Yeovil for a day or three days because we didn't think, I didn't think Ards was going to sign him. And then, um, and then he came, <laughs> I remember doing the deal when we, I, I forget what the game was, but I went to the game and I went in the office uh, with Nayland, I promise you, with the deal done in about seventeen seconds, you know, it was it was dead easy. It was like, look, he's worth this, you know. Uh, you've got to give me that, or at least somewhere near that. And and he went, okay, well, I'll go and tell the club you wanted a bit more, and I've knocked you down, and I wanted a bit more of, and so we and we did it really, really quickly. And and I thought he was a good signing for the club. Um, and and it's nice because it give me a little link still with 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 the club if you like, but it, but it's it's difficult you know it's difficult once mm. that the club they sort of went well Shazy I think there's always a question mark over his height, um, agility waste it it, it it the whole ball game if he was six inches taller he'd been playing for Arsenal I'm convinced of that you know yeah I'd agree with that um, you know but uh, but then he left and and I'm trying to remember who came in. Did you get a loan? We had, yeah, I think he got injured uh, when we won the playoff final and Kelly Roos came in from Derby at the time. Yes. Now Kelly Roos is first team at Derby. Yeah. So I yeah, think that didn't, was that, that, that didn't help James too much then when Kelly Roos came in and yeah. done a great job and we got promoted that season. Yeah, so. yeah. And, and, and was a quality goalkeeper. Yeah. But to, to, to finalise the answer to your question, that's why it's very difficult. 
it's very difficult to bring someone all the way through your ranks and put them into the League One as an 18-year-old. It's not going to happen. I, I think the only way you'll get someone through your ranks to, to go back into the team is is if he comes through to 18 and he goes out and does a year or so in a conference or gets that this the same sort of experience that Kelly Rouge is getting by dropping down to play for the club. Hmm. Then he comes back to to FC Wimbledon and players. I think that's the only way it's ever going to happen, and it's a it's a it's a it's a real difficult balancing act for any football manager, you know. Yep. Moving back to your career or the end of your career, you mentioned your um, your friendship with uh, Norman Whiteside and yeah. Alan McDonald. How uh, how exactly did you get into the football management side of things? Well, I, 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 was, uh, I had to retire around about 23 and um, I sort of, I went cold. I did my, all my badges really young. Um, I think uh, Blackpool and Lillishaw and, and sort of got my licence. And then I went out to America and coached for a little bit. Um, and when I came back, I ended up in London and um, with Big Mac and another, there's another Northern Ireland lad called Ian Stewart, who was a little left winger, blonde haired lad for QPR and Newcastle and um, they were my mates and I ended up getting a Sunday league job just to make friends as well you know it's, it's difficult when you I mean I had the same thing when I lived in Manchester with Norman <laughs> you know you bump into people I, I did some youth work in Manchester and I never took you know the first few times was that but I never get it parties and youth clubs on the edge of Manchester and it's um you know, it's a rough place, you know. Well, so so they sent me because I went, well, it's not no big issue. You come I come from a council estate in Belfast, it was easy. But um but I remember bumping into a couple of the guys in town and I was with Norman and I obviously hadn't told them that a new white side it'd be the worst thing you could do, you know, <laughs> you you know Man United centre forward. And they actually nicknamed me White Side at the club before, you know, just because Belfast accent and you know, we play five of sides and all that. And they used to call me Whiteside. And then I, I always remember being in town one day with Norman and I bumped into two guys from the youth club who were like a gog that I was with Norman. And I sort of, and I didn't want my cover blown. I remember saying, look, don't tell anyone. I'll get you some tickets. You come with me on players' lines. I promised them the world, you know, just don't blow my cover because, you know, you just, you have to become yourself before they know about your, your, your friends. Yeah, Dave, yeah, no sweat, no problem. <laughs> and I promise you, I went the next time I went to the youth club, I walked through the door and I got lit on by about 50 people going, do you know Whiteside? Do you know Whiteside? They, they draft me up, you know, so, so it, it's a bit like that. But, but in London with Big Mac and, and, and Stewartie, I ended up managing a Sunday side called um, Greenford Park Wonders. And I still live quite close to it. And for, oddly enough, I'm still in touch with all the guys. Um, and through that, there was a guy who managed on a Sunday who was uh, involved at Haraburra. He run the reserves at Haraburra. Or, you know, he's the first team assistant. And my team on a Sunday and his team on a Sunday were big rivals. And that's how I got to know him. And um, and we've been friends ever since. In fact, he was in the dugout with me at Wembley when I, when we when Churchy got to Wembley. <clears throat> you know, I, his son actually is uh, Oliver Hawkins, who is just plays for Ipswich now, played for Portsmouth, who I told Bassey about a while ago, a long time ago, that to mm. keep an eye on him for, for, for the club. But um, 
so it, that got me in the Horror Burrows Reserve team manager. And then I sort of, I just, I must have had, I don't know, 20 clubs, I suppose, like as assistant and then and, and manager. It, it just sort of spiraled from that. But um, it, 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 it sort of looked after itself. It's one of them things. I never thought too much about it. I just went for for the Harrow reserve team job. Then I went from Harrow and then became the first team assistant with Tom McCollister. Then uh, George Borg took over and took me with him to Enfield when it was a reasonably big side. Um, I didn't particularly like George, you know, at all, but I just like I just like the chance to work at a at a big club. Um, and we'd be here all night if we went through them one by one, you know. But <laughs> I, 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 uh, I always remember Bob Dowie, who, who's obviously Ian Dowie, you know, and Bob are big friends of mine. And, and Bob talked me into taking a big pay cut, leaving Enfield to go back to Horrorborough with him as his, as his assistant. And in all honesty, it was the best decision he ever made. You know, he was a proper mentor and, um, you know, we were big friends, still are big friends, really. Um, but that got me and then I left Bob we went to St Albans and I left to go to Hendon I left Bob to go to Hendon with Frank Murphy and then Frank went to Car Shorten and I, I I got the job after Frank and that was at three years at Hendon which then got me the job at, at the club you know So you you got the Dunn's job uh, in 2004 had quite a successful first season on, uh, I'd say League and Cup double. Do you want mm. to talk us through that? Well, I've had worse seasons. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I think, in all honesty, when you look back on it and, and you try and be honest with yourself and, and, and everybody around you, as much as everybody, as much as I'd gone to watch a game on a Wednesday night with Johnny Morris, God bless him, he's no longer with us, but he, he ended up being the reserve team manager and I was there, John. Um, I remember going and, and it was ridiculous. I forget who the club were playing, but it was a Wednesday night. The, the, the game was... Del- Listen, I'm, I've taken Hendon to their best league finish in 26 years or something. And and the crowd has gone from 250 to 252. Do you know what I mean? And now I'm, I'm, I'm in, at a Combine County's midweek game and, and the game's being held up because they can't get enough people in. And I sort of think I remember saying to John Morris, "Listen, we've got to we've got to at least attempt to get this, you know, because we knew the job was coming up." Um, and I made my mind up that night that, you know, you've got to go for it. So you end up to get it, um, and I was always confident enough in my, in my ability to, to 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 interview and 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 I'd proven my track record was good at the time for the for where we were. But when you look back. It's a f- the club at that time was a, a, a freak, you know, <laughs> in non-league, you know, when you think you're, you know, I've just left a club that's two divisions above or one or two divisions above um, in the top four pulling crowds of 250. And I remember going to my first Q&A session at Wimbledon and it was 300 of it and it was live on the internet and you go, <laughs> the goalposts have changed somewhat, you know, so... Um, so you sort of had to think on your feet. You had to try and um, look as if you'd seen it all before and have a calmness about you f- 
to supporters and board and players. You, you know, you have to look like it's the most natural thing in the world to be where you are. But I can tell you, lads, there was plenty of times when it didn't feel like that. You know, it's it's a fat, like massive football club, and you know, to to walk out and see that ground packed. Don't get me wrong; you get used to it quickly, and and um, nothing is ever quite the same after that. But um, but the first few times, your heart's beating like a bass drum, you know. So that's you know the that the first season went well. I think the the deal I had with the club was I had to win promotion in the first year and then get out of the Raymond Premier within two years and we get beaten two playoffs and that was me done and that was fine. Never any issue with Eureka or the board or anybody at the club. Uh, you know, the club needed to move forward and it was just, it was a difficult period because I think Brownie um, was, I think Brownie was, they, they, they beat Staines in the last sort of 10 minutes, didn't they, in, in the, the third year? Yeah. And I think, I think the club desperately needed to go up that year, you know, because um, mm-hmm. it was just sort of stuttering a little bit. But once Brownie won that, he took off, you know, um, from it. And, and I think the, the, the time there was good, but I think also passing the button on to someone like Terry, who a, was a friend of mine way before AFC Wimbledon, you know, uh, it's it sort of the continuity of it helped the club without the club realising that it ever would. So there's little, little things like that where I'd spoke to Brownie quite a lot after I left and he was being interviewed for the job and it helped. But my me, me own, me own time there, I never, never doubted we'd win the, we wouldn't win the league. You know, the first year, it's like anything. You still have to get over the line. Um, I remember the pitch being really poor in them days, like, like, like a real sort of bobbly, heavy pitch. Um, you know, and people wanted you to play like Real Madrid. And, uh, <laughs> you know, which I always find funny at one moment, but. Um, <laughs> it was a matter of getting the job done, and, and and we did that the first year, you know. So, Dave, that must have been some big night out once you won the double and stuff like that. But what was your favourite night out with with oh. the team? What because you must have some stories with the team that you built. There were some there were some lads in that team. There were some big characters, and your big character show. So, what was your the best night you had out with the with the Wimbledon team? Yeah. If you can tell the stories. <laughs> well, yeah, I can, I'll tell you whatever you want. I've not, nobody can say anything to me. I'm, but uh, what, I would say that, I mean, yeah, yeah, I'm never going to put that into one night. Um, the, the one thing I would say when I took over was I thought it was good for the club at that time because uh, the, the the club, how can I word this? I'll just tell it how I think it is. I thought the, the club within the dressing room and, and how it was run was poor. Um, I thought it was it wasn't much professionalism. I thought that the club were struggling to to rent coaches to go to away games because of behaviour problems, and there was stuff that was going on behind the scenes that, that, that never really came out and didn't need to. But um, but I fixed that quickly, and that's something that that, that people might know. But we sorted that out, and I thought that that, that we moved it into a semi-professional football club you know so I'd be I'd be proud of that nights out <laughs> and just saying that nights out one of the best nights out, well one of the best nights out I had was actually on the coach back from Exeter 
we played Exeter in the FA Cup and um, I think six or seven of my mates had flown over from Belfast, um, flown to Bristol, hired a minibus and drove down to Exeter and they were flying out of Luton on the Sunday or Monday and, and I had to get them on the team bus to come back and <laughs> I remember Eric not being particularly happy about it and I says, well, Eric, look, they're not on the bus, I'm not on the bus, you know, I can't leave them, they've come a long way. Um, so we get them on and uh, and we did all right against Axel. We could have been beaten 6-0 and it ended up 2-1 and we saved face and it was a great day for the club. I don't know why you were there, but great atmosphere. And yeah, we'd taken like 1,500 fans down there, which was unbelievable. Um, and, and on the way back in the bus, I think the only person that wasn't drunk was a driver. You know, it was a real... <laughs> And I'd sort of said to my mates, we were down the front with a, with the England cricket coach, which we got off Grey's Grace Athletic, had it, was the old England team bus, and they let us have it, kindly enough. And um, there was like, the front bit was the old seats, you know, with the tables and all that. And then there was like a, a, mic, like a kitchen microwave toilets in the middle. And then the, the, the lads were down the back. And I said to my mates when we get on, leave the guys down there, you know, the players, leave them alone. You know, let them come down the earth. You know that. You know it's like after a game, they need some some downtime on their own uh, with a few beers. But then, you know, I'm going to say probably the best part of an hour into the journey, the lads are giving me some stick from the back, like good banter. So in the end, we end up down the back of the bus, and uh, I remember getting back to the club. I don't know what time it was, and there was hundreds still there. God bless them. You know, and. How I got off the bus without falling off is beyond me. You know, I was, <laughs> I was hammered. Um, but uh, and we all had had a good drink. But you know, so that was one of them special nights. You know, and um, the, the funny thing about winning the league was, um, I remember winning the league, and I think we stayed in the club that night, and it was a real atmosphere and a real, you know, when I um, I remember standing at the bar, trying to get out of it a little bit to take it in, to take the picture in. And uh, you know that was superb. The, the night we won the cup at Woking because it was I think it was a midweek or a bank holiday. Friday, I think. It was, yeah, it was a real odd day. I remember um, I, 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 one of my mates was over from home, and we ended up back at my house, and we sat up to the early hours. But we didn't really go out as a football team because it was an odd, odd night, you know. Um, I'm trying to remember the rest. It's a long time ago, guys. You know, I had black hair in the empties. <laughs> uh, but I do, um, uh, I do, uh, I do remember that any time we were going to go out, I always made sure to get the guys away from the club. I always thought that was essential because it can get messy when you guys are around as well. You know, it's uh, <laughs> with supporters, but you, you've got to try and get your guys have a few beers with supporters by all means. I think that's brilliant. I think the club do that really well. Don't know why they still do it, but in my time. I thought there was a real bond between between the two sets, you know, where the players would always go in and socialise with, with, with supporters. Um, but there always comes a time as a football manager where you get nervous, where you, you think it's time now for the guys to get out of the way, you know? You mentioned earlier about the, um, the first few times you came out uh, as Wimbledon manager. Uh, the nerves and stuff. Uh, how do you how do you feel how do you feel that you dealt with the pressure of being the Wimbledon manager? 
okay. I think okay. I think I think um funny enough I, I did an interview with Dean Brennan um uh, because I, I've been doing a thing called the Gaffer Tapes, which is a podcast where I interview managers. And during the interview he said to me, you know, you you showed pressure to the guys at times at Wimbledon, which I thought was very unlike me. But he would know he was in the dressing room. And, and uh, I remember finishing the interview and talking to him and saying, wow, well, I never knew that, you know. So I, I would say most of the time I dealt with it okay. Uh, I would say that it's a stressful place to be um, because at that time it was, a well, it still is, it was a juggernaut and you knew you had to be successful. You knew you had to win games for, for whatever way. So that, that adds to your stress. And I remember about three or four weeks after I left the club, I looked in the mirror and it was a different colour. <laughs> I'd come back to this instead of the... Funny enough, I always remember going down when Brownie uh, stayed away for a little bit because it's just, you know, you have to do that. But I remember going down a few months after Brownie had sort of got his feet under the table and was doing well. And uh, and he came in the bar after it. And uh, I said, oh, there's that colour I ain't seen for a while. He says, what's that? I says, that that grey, you know, that dull grey <laughs> stress. And we actually said that um, Dulux should do a colour called manager's grey, you know, <laughs> because it does. And, and he watched the guys on TV, even the big guys. I watched Moyes the other night. And you look and you go, you can see the stress. So if anybody says they don't suffer from it, I, I really, really don't believe them, you know. Um, what I would say is that that although it was the only time in, in my career I could ever get the Wimbledon job, it's sort of, we, we met at the right time because I was good for you at the time and um, uh, because I was, I was experienced at that level. I think where I am now and the age I am now, I know I've retired, but if it came along now at the same thing, I think I would deal with it better because I think ex- I think the experience of Wimbledon would make you better the next time you went to Wimbledon, if that makes sense, you know. Yeah. Um, but it's like anything; you, you only get one hit at it. it but it, it's yeah. and it's um, it, the, there's lots of times when it when it's not enjoyable, but not just Wimbledon. I think every football manager suffers that all the time. But that's part of the deal. You don't want don't, you don't want to deal with that. Don't do it. You know. So, Dave, we're going to move on to some of the players that you signed. Uh, yeah. And one springs to mind for me was a New Zealand international called Shane Smeltz that you yeah. signed in 2005. Uh, and when he signed, everyone was like, who is this like kid? He scores that weldy, I think, against Wharton Hersham, that volley. Yeah. Where, and everyone was like, stood up and was like, we've got a player here. So yeah. how did that come about? How did we get a Shane Smeltz down to Ryman Division 1, Ryman Premier League to it- come and play? Yeah, it was one of them mad things. Listen, I was exactly the same. You know, when, when the agent phoned me and says, I've got a player for you, Dave, Shane Smalls. I said, a who? You know, and he said, uh, he said he's a New Zealand international, but odd, oddly as it is, I have a couple of guys who I played with at home, who, well, I said when we were kids, who, who went to Australia and New Zealand, and um, two of them, one of them ended up playing 35 times for New Zealand. So I contacted them and said, look, I've been offered this lad, Shane Smeltz, they reckon he's played for New Zealand, and they knew him and, and said, David, and they, they said to me, their words to me were you know, Irish League, you, you go Irish League standard, I would say is conference, you know, 
they said he's Irish league standard all day long. So I knew straight away three or four divisions above where we were. Um, and and I got him in. The deal we signed him on was ridiculous. I don't know how I look him in the eye. I ever see him these days, you know, because um, we got him really cheap uh, because he, he, well, I say really cheap because we didn't have bundles of money either. Um, but he, he, he was one of them players that I promise you, if he had a bit, if Neil Ardley had assigned him when the club was in the league, it had probably been better. The higher he went, the better he was. Because he, when he went back to Australia, he ended up as he's, he's had a great career, Shane. You know, he was like one of the top players in the A League, playing in front of 40,000. Played obviously, we know he scored in the World Cup and stuff like that. Mm. But but it, it, he suffered dealing with the sort of players at our level and the pitches at our level. He loved the club because full house every week. Why wouldn't you? But he, he just he just suffered a little bit with with the level of football. And I think if you look at him, he's silky, isn't he? You, you would understand yeah. that, you know. I think we sold him to Hartlepool, was it? I can check. We sold him to somebody, I remember. We sold him to, yeah. Yeah, they were trying to get out of it. His agent was trying Halifax. to get out for nothing. Halifax. Having it, you know. Was it Halifax? You're right. You begin with an H. Halifax Town. Yeah, and uh, yeah. the agent was trying to get him out for nothing. And, you know, I nearly fell out with Shane over it. But we didn't, you know, spoke to him. I spoke to him. Few weeks ago on Twitter, actually, um, but uh, the club got some money and, and he and Halifax, and then he ended up back back in Australia, but had a proper pro check his career out. Incredible! Hmm. Oh, He's sorry, listen, yeah. sorry, sorry. I'll tell you one one good story about him, um, Steve. But we used to, we took the lads for a curry every now and again, and uh, Shane had never really he never really had a curry then. Like, <laughs> and uh, Butsy said, Steve Butler says, there's a captain, sit beside me, smell tell, sort you out. And he ordered him, oh, Joe Frazee or something. Uh, me and Bossy said he ordered him a chicken Samtax. You know, it was like, <laughs> it, it was like roast. And the guy came out with sort of welder's hat on it. Was, and smelt he had it all. And his sweat was lashing <laughs> off him. So always, and he took it like a guy. He was a great lad, Shane, you know, quaddish, you know, but, but, but good guy. Uh, who would you class as your best signing as Don's boss? Uh, Wimbledon. Yeah. Uh, listen, I, I um, Rob Ursel, somebody that that, in all honesty, was a was a, an entertainer. Mm. Um, I, I think he's right up there. You know, uh, people might think me. May think there's there's people much better than him, but at that period when he came in, he he did some sensational things, um, and he, he me and him used to argue all the way, and he travelled with me, and he he always had a great opinion of football, Robbie, and he wasn't he wasn't scared to share it with you. Let me tell you, so we'd argue all the way in, <laughs> and then we'd do the dressing room stuff, manager player, and then we'd argue all the way home about. Not just about Wimbledon, but he was a Liverpool fan and about Premier League and about my what I thought football was and what he thought was two totally different things. Um, but I just thought he, he was he done things with football that that were magic. You know, you'd have to say they were magic. So I'd put Rob up there. Smelty obviously goes into that category. Um, trying to think off the top of my head, who you see, there's people at the club as well who played for me who. 
who aren't thought upon that highly by supporters who who really done us a big favour, you know, who at that particular time when we were trying to build a side that was solid, that was professional, that could deal with playing in front of 3,000. You know, people like, like Steve Butler, Mark Cooper, Frankie Hard, good players. Um, you know, JB, people used to think John Barry Bates was a poor signing. He's a proper <laughs> man. Ask, ask the players. I always say it's funny. Supporters think, what supporters think of, all football supporters think of players. To what players think of players is can be really, really different. Martin Randall, because he could take it. He could take the abuse. He could take the stick, you know, when, when it wasn't going well. Um, who else would I say was right up there, though? Chuck a couple of names at me. Before. I told you my memory's shot. <laughs> um, who else did I have? I probably had 2,000 players the over them is, three years. I think the problem is because there were so many players that non-league still the same today. You get so many players yeah. in and out, in and out. One has come for a month and then they'll go. Or, and it is, it's, yeah. it is hard back then. Uh, Andy Little. Andy, Andy Little, Little was a good, good signer. Good keeper. Andy Little did was did you... Was Roscoe to sign you? Yes, I brought Roscoe in. Yeah, another yeah. another good player. Jermaine Darlington, although he, in the end, he cost us... <laughs> well, he <laughs> points, just a stupid. But Jermaine was was a class act still, wasn't he? You know, I remember when we beat Aldershot with ten minutes to go. Everybody <laughs> in the team wanted to get it and sort of lump it into the corner, and Jermaine was playing little triangles, uh, you know, making me nervous, but so calm and just brought a calmness. Um, and we good players after their sell by did as well. You know, there's a couple of players who I thought. Might have been able to do it at the level. Like I remember, Steve Watson had been a good non-league player, but when he got to us, we didn't we didn't really see the best of him. You know, Roscoe probably falls into that a little bit as well, although did okay for us. But Roscoe in his prime was a, a Rolls Royce. You know, did you have a Paul Barnes? Did you sign Paul Barnes? Yeah, Barney. Yeah, yeah. I thought he was yeah. brilliant when he first came to us, but yeah, I think the travelling done him a little bit from when he was that coming. was it. He was yeah, the problem, that, that was his big thing. Barney lived um oh hitching out that sort of direction and and it used to kill him coming in, you know. That, and... one of the statements you made when you, you signed him, you said that he had uh, springs in his boots. So we used to we used to laugh at that because it's like <laughs> <laughs> you ever see him jump? Yeah. No, I know he was just like <laughs> some springs in his boots that's doing it, and then we used to say that to you in the bar and stuff, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> on the on the flip side to that one, Dave is uh, who was a nightmare to manage? Who was the like the the one you wanted to strangle all the time, and you or you thought, ah, oh, why have I signed this geezer? Give him a chance, and he he's not paying That's me back. Question. That's a really good question. Who did I have the hump with that? That's a good. Might might have to come back down. I'm trying to think. I I mean my relationship with with the guys was was usually. Hard. I mean I signed Nick Rodas and it was a bad signing. Um, because, was that you? Yeah, yeah, it was me. Oh, I signed him and, and it was it was poor. And, but listen, if you look at Nick's record, he was in England international, England non-league international. He played at Hayes, but he just gone. He it, it was past the sell by date, and so as much as. I never fell out with him. Uh, well, <laughs> had a couple of arguments with him in dressing rooms, but that happens. But I, but that was my fault. I, I should have looked into it more than it did. Um, I'm trying to think of people who 
not not honestly so i i think that when i if i'm coming at you in a dressing room and i'm not in a good mood you're gonna have to be big to stand up to me you know um because i can get angry and hopefully it's for the right reason so i didn't tend to have arguments with people because they were told to wrap up quite quick if they were to say something you know only when I was making big points where I thought they'd underachieved. I think at any other time I was the most approachable guy in the in the world. Um, but I'm trying to think who it didn't like. That's a. I've, I've, I promise you, if, if I think of it, I'll come back to you. But <laughs> no, not a lot. You know, not not a lot. I'm trying to think who annoyed me or who frustrated me. You know, during game. Rob used to frustrate me to death at times. You know, but but that was just how he was. The wizard, you know, he, he, he I'd be, I wanted him to play two touch, and he wanted to play twenty two touch. You know? <laughs> and then the problem is, you go to say something to him, and then you bang it in the top bins, and then he'll just look at you all the time. And then <laughs> all the time, <laughs> all the time, you know, you, you learn to keep your mouth shut. I'm trying to think who else we had that the listen, I don't, Harvey. I've just spoke to Harvey, um, although I didn't say Harvey. I think I'd heard of him, or, but um, Harvey would frustrate you because. It, it of all the pace in the world and then not have an idea when he got there, you know? Um, <laughs> but I spoke to him the other week. I'm actually going to manage a team for him. He's doing like an all-star sort of 11. Um, but no, I, I promise you, it didn't, there wasn't too many people had poor relationships with. I think, I think a football manager has got to try and keep those relationships open. You'll have good times and bad times, but I, I, I I've seen managers shut players out because they haven't got the balls to set them down and tell them they don't want them. Um, and they try and shut them out and isolate. I always thought that was cardly. Uh, I think if, if it's something to say to you, whether it's good, bad or indifferent, I'd say I'd say to your face, you know. And, and I think players respect that. Okay. I think that when you come in and you go to a player, you were top drawer today. They, they know you mean it because you've come in other days and gone, that wasn't up to what we need, you know, or words along those lines. <laughs> you, 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 did, you didn't just do it to the uh, the players. Uh, you did it to the fans as well. I remember having a, quite a heated, well, not a heat, but a discussion with yourself in the bar when I actually at the time thought you'd come to the end of the road and you were telling me why you thought you hadn't come to the end of the road. And yeah, you and that's what I think we loved about you, Dave, and what we still love about you is that you you you, you gave it to everyone. You told everyone how you felt and, and you the club meant so much to you. Uh, and still does. I think that's what we still have that admiration for yourself. Yeah, but I think that's, I, I, I think that's honest. You know, if you're sitting in a corner telling everybody else you think my time's up, I ain't got a lot of time for you. No, I don't. I think you know, tell you know, but but if you, as long as I think there's two sorts of people, Finch. I think there's people who you can debate it and talk, and, and when I'm making a point, you listen. And there's other people who come and tell you who've got their mind made up, and no matter what you say, it's not going to matter. So what's the point? So so I, I, if someone's coming to tell me something negative, as long as they want to debate and listen to my points of it and, and genuinely be open to what I'm going to say and then make their mind up, I have no issue. I have no issue if afterwards you go, thanks, Dave. You know, I sort of still think where well, I am where I am. But, but, but there's other people who, you, who come and tell you it and no matter what you say, you could say, I'm going to win the next 15 games. And it, do you understand what I mean? So I think mm. that, and the one thing, I might, I mightn't be good at lots of things, but I can suss people out in a heartbeat. 
that's the one gift I've been given is you won't mug me off because I'll see through you in a heartbeat. And um and 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 if I spent time talking to you, believe me, it's because I wanted to, because I can get rid of people quickly and all that. Let me tell you. The funny thing about that is I actually then went the flip side. I thought actually I spoke to Dave, he's gave me these reasons. I actually think, yeah, we should give him a chance. And then all my mates then just give me so much stick every time. Like, oh, day friends, day friends. I, I, was, I can't yeah. win. You know what I mean? I spoke well, to you. Gotta, you gotta stand by your principles. You gotta yeah. stand by. Yeah, you know, and, and it's like anything. Look, I, I think I knew. I think you know the difference between me and you probably that time was I knew what what the job fact was. So I I could have said to you, look, here's when I'm out of a job, because that's what it says in my contract. <laughs> but it's not right to share that sort of stuff. You know, um, but but I've no. It's never bothered me that stuff because I've, if, if you're going to take if you're going to be a football manager and you take things personally, go and do something else. <laughs> Believe me, it's not the place that I remember. I remember the first game. Uh, two things I'll tell you about this. I remember the first game. It was packed out and we went one 0 down. Right, full house, and we went one 0 I think we won four five one in the end. But one 0 you could have heard a pin drop. And I turned around to John Turner and I said, I've just realised how many people's in here. You know, it's so quiet, you know. And then the other one was I took Smelty off one day and it wasn't even me, it was JT. JT's, I forget I might have Leon McDowell or, or someone else as a young striker. And you would never have taken Smelty off because he could just turn up with a gold, but like Rob Ursel. JT's talked me into taking Smelty off. I'll never forget this. It was funny. And it, and I took him off and I put whoever I put on, and it wasn't even the the, the sort of tempest end or whatever the end was called. It was the stand, the main stand, like block A. It was down that area because it was singing. You don't know what you're doing. Not, not all of them, <laughs> but there was a few of them. Believe me, I get here really plainly. And I I just turned to JT and went, "That's you. That's not even me." You know, they're they're saying, you fucking made the decision. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so, but can't take it personally you, you you really can't guys you know i've been doing uh, a lot of the same stuff as you i've been going to watch a lot of non-league games after lockdown one so i've been going all around taking my boy to watch a lot of teams in essex brighton C, yes with with and hove asc sudbury i'm going to watch the fa youth cup asc sudbury versus asc wimbledon on the 23rd of december it's brilliant it's such, it's such good fun Boy. brilliant well, listen. I, I could never, I could never, um, I never understand why people go to Premier League games. I really don't. I, 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 hmm. I think it's it's become sterile. It's not the game I grew up with. <clears throat> it's just a different game. It's you know the pitch. Everything's perfect. The pitches are perfect. The players are perfect. Well, physique ways are perfect. Mentality ways they're not for me. A lot of them. Um, diving around, you know, all that nonsense. You know, VAR. Hmm. It's just become something that's not, it doesn't appeal to me. Non league and lower leagues does because you can still feel mm. passion's gone out of it on the pitch for me, you know. And I haven't been to a league game, and you usually know better than me. <clears throat> but the one thing I get when I go to any non league game is passion. You feel it, you know, you feel it from players and supporters. And, you know, you can turn up at half two, have a pint, watch it wherever you want. You know, that's maybe not at the moment, obviously, because of COVID. But yeah, so I get why you'd want to go and see it, Finchie. I really do. It's, um, and plus, 
Plus, it probably takes you back to to the days yeah, with, with the club when we were sort of doing what we were doing. Like so, going back to questions, speaking of there's money in non-league, there's quite a lot of money in non-league now. Uh, and there was money back in non-league when we were in it. Fisher, we've touched on it before. Fisher and Bromley, when we lost to them in the playoff semi-finals, they were paying big budgets. I remember Leeward Griffiths was on loan at Aldershot, three divisions above them, got brought back to uh, Fisher just to play against us in the, yeah. in the semi-final. How do you think Wimbledon? Yeah, he was. How do you think Wimbledon would fare now? Yeah, he was in good that night. Age if we were put back in non-league. I still think they've got the club. Have got the the support and the the finances to 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 get out of it. Uh, when I say get out of it, I mean you know to get. To certainly get to the conference as quick as they, they did, maybe, maybe, you know, I'm trying to think. I think the club is on like what I'm going to say six promotions. I think is it that is right? six from yeah from start to now. It's got to be six promotions. <laughs> it is six promotions because Bossy tells me on a regular basis, you know that that he's had six promotions. You know, so 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 I'm going to say three or four of them were in non-league. I think you would do the first couple. I think the the sort of out of the level of the league I won. And certainly out of the, the the Roman Premier was never an easy league to get out of at that time, um, but I do think that the club had the finances. I, you know, when I look back on it, I, I should have did better than I did. I mean, I I, I wouldn't hide from that. I, I I felt that in in the first year in the playoffs when Leroy came back and tortured us, you know, we were just unlucky. I think I'm going to say I'd maybe four or five of my team in the stand. Who were all injured. I remember, funny enough, I was talking about because Dean Brennan played that night injured. I mean, he wasn't even fit to play, but we just had to try and take a gamble. So well, we bit unlucky with that. And then with the the whole eighteen points deduction, and then um, it gets reduced to three and, and all that stuff. And and in the 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 Bromley game, I always felt that Frankie was fouled in the West corner. Daily. And they scored mm, off yeah. it, and then Wes was sent off. Do you remember? Yeah, for two bookables, I couldn't. And I'd had a run in with the referee. The referee refereed us against Hampton and um, sent Leo Leary off. And I always thought it was a poor decision. And you know, I'm not saying yeah. he listen, the, there were two bookables, but he couldn't wait to do it, you know. But hard hand on heart, should have been in the playoffs, should have won the league, really. That I think that's. You know, you've got to be honest with yourself and say that, you know, I underachieved, not, not massively, because to get in the playoffs is, is hard enough. But, um, and the whole 18 points thing didn't help the situation that you're trying to deal with in the dressing room. But hand on heart, I underachieved. And I think, you know, Brownie in his first year get, gets through through the playoffs. But he'd say that, you know, he, he, he's, he got out of jail to, to, to get through in the playoffs because I think when you're a club like AFC Wimbledon, you you should you should win the divisions that, that we were trying to win, um, and and I didn't, and and, and I I think if, if I'm going to be honest with players in the dressing room, you have to start with yourself. Um, so we I think I underachieved a bit, not massively, but uh, certainly certainly a quick bit. tangent. Um, Going to completely change the course of questions for you, Dave. But um, Michael Hughes, Northern Irish footballer, uh, was one of yeah. my earliest favourite players, I think, uh, in yeah. the 90s. 
obviously you're from Northern Ireland as well. Um, who was your hero, footballing wise? Yes. Yeah, it's easy. There's two as a goalkeeper, so Pat Jennings yeah. and I'm from Northern Ireland, George Best. <laughs> yes, it's like it doesn't doesn't get better. It doesn't get better. I think you know, and also Jimmy Nickel sort of coming through my school and going on to play for Man United was a an inspiration at that time because he was a few years a few years older than me, Jimmy. Do, um, do you think? But yeah, do you think that George, George Best never really got the credit that he deserved? Like, would you put him up there with Pele and Maradona because of his off-field antics? He never really gets spoken about as a footballer. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think the difference. I think the difference with with, with Maradona is that there was much more footage. You know, we got to see many more live games at that particular time. Mm. We got to see him in a World Cup. We never get to see Bestie in a world stage. Which is which is sad, um, and you you know what? Listen, every bit of tape that's ever been made of George Best playing football, we've all seen, um, and and it's a bit like, you know, I <laughs> said I was a massive Slade fan, you know, but that's that era, and then you go to the next era, and there's a different band, Oasis, or so. I, you have to be careful of trying to put people from different areas and going who's the best, you know. Um, I, I just think that. George was mm. the first superstar. That, car- that carries a whole different ball game, doesn't it? You know, he was the one that everybody seen the mistakes that was made with him and by him, and and learned from it. But he was the original. There was no yeah. name me, yeah. name me a superstar uh, before George. Superstars. We've got our own superstar at the moment, Joe Piggott, uh, who's scoring goals for fun. Uh, what's your opinions on? He went back to Charlton on Saturday. He played twelve games for him. He scores an absolute worldie. And he doesn't celebrate. Uh, for me, it actually infuriates me uh, that players go back to clubs, wasn't there that long, and then he, he again, he scores, he scores his 11th goal, he's on fire. But yeah, he just didn't celebrate. What's your opinions on that? Yeah, it's an odd one. It's, it's one that um, I've never, it's, I've never thought too much about it like in a question it's a good it's a very good question I think it has to be up to the individual I think of the only thing no. I say about Joe is I don't think he's come out he's come out this week Charlton did he and he said it yeah, yeah. He even he's said come it out this week saying he didn't so, have a good time at Charlton and didn't feel like he was valued and stuff yeah <laughs> so for me I'd have been doing somersaults then you know and naked to the halfway line but 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 I think you have to if I'm in a dressing room, if I'm the manager and he does it, you know, I ain't that bothered, if I'm honest. I know it might annoy you. I'm happy he scored a goal. You know, if he, if he wants to <laughs> say the Lord's Prayer in the corner flag after he does it, that's that's up to him, you know. Um, but 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 I do understand supporters feel a bit, you know, it's a bit closer to their heart, you know, no matter how we all say we love the club. And, I, you know, I have a lot of time for the club. You know that. Uh, effectively, you know, I haven't put into it what you've put into it. It's your club. So I understand that you get a bit annoyed with it. For me as yeah, a football manager, just keep scoring goals. Uh, obviously, when you were at Wimbledon, returning to Plough Lane uh, was nothing more than a pipe dream, really. Um, what are your thoughts now that that dream has become a reality? 
Absolutely. I mean, I, I was fortunate enough to go there, and I know you, you ain't been there yet, guys. I, I got invited to, to do some filming with Ivor, showing me around the ground, as it would be the filming. I don't know what it's for. I, I must find out what it's for, but but Ivor was showing me around the ground. So I got to get shown around the ground because that's what the film was about. Um, and, and I'll I'll be honest, I found it quite emotional. I have no idea why. You know, I, 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 yes, I love the club. I, I think it's a story that is just, will never be repeated. It's it's just a Hollywood classic. Um, and at five minutes in it, but I genuinely was quite, a, I was emotional when I, when I walked in because it's nearly like all the ghosts hit you in the face, you know, of, of, of how, is, how have this group of people done this from, you know, I, I tell people all the time when I, I do interviews about the club, I said, listen, these guys, if you want to start a football team and you come to me, I, I'll go, okay, phone up this sports shop, they'll get you a deal, or phone that one or phone that one. I'll give you four or five sports shops. I'll give you four or five league numbers. I'll, I'll put you in touch with a few people who will know. I, I can do all that. When, when the clubs like start again, if you like, or was, I don't know what the proper way to say it was reformed or not reformed, but when it became AFC Wimbledon, <laughs> didn't know how to back it, didn't know how to, didn't know how to, how do you get into a football league? Because supporters had just gone and supported the club. And then you look at that and you walk into this stadium that honestly, lads, it's in, it's an incredible stadium. It's, it's it's just the hers in your neck stand up when you walk into it, and and you think how have they got from that to this in in what sixteen eighteen years something like that, like it's 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 mind blowing. It, you know, I've often said if you did it in a, in a movie, people <laughs> wouldn't believe it. It's it's it makes Roy of the Rovers look ordinary, you know, and it's um and it's an it's an incredible achievement, um and. You know that where there's a will, there's a way. As a statement, believe me, there was. I've never seen people driven like it. You know, and I think the big thing for the club is how do you keep that drive going? Because you've now got the Holy Grail. I mean, we talked about it. That, well, I didn't talk about it, but people were telling me when I was at the club that that's what they were looking to do. And I'm thinking, you're off your head. You know, there's the the, the amount of teams in non-league who who have no ground. And never get a ground and end up disappearing or, or big, you know. The club get into Kingston, <laughs> buy it, and you go, well, "That'll do." No, 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 not, no, not this club, you know. So, so yeah, it's um, unbelievable. I promise you. And when you go in the place, it'll feel like home the minute you walk through the door. I, I promise you that. It's got that real, real feel about it. And and I'm telling you. If I was there for five minutes and had a lump in my throat, you will be emotional. You will that's be one of my worries. The, the game might I'm get uh, postponed for waterlogged pitch because the amount, <laughs> the amount of people who are going to be crying that night, they're going to be a dry eye in it. I think once, once we get in there, it's just every, every man, woman, child, everyone's just going to be crying. And uh, yeah, it's going to be an emotional night. Do you, do, you, do you think you're going to get a statue? Yeah. <laughs> <I'm> just... <laughs> <laughs> Well, it cost him a fortune in copper, I can tell you, the size of me. 
<laughs> oh, listen, I'll probably get a burger bar. Bossy should get a statue. He deserves a statue. Uh, but I, I um, I, 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 here's one for you. If I was the manager and I, I'd be saying to the board, listen, when this opens up and everybody's allowed in, get a friendly. Let's do this way. For, because how the lads, the players are going to have to deal with that day, you know, going out, you need a pre-run of that. But um, no, I, I, statues, I think Bassey deserves one. I think me and Brownie can have a burger bar. We are. I, I think if I win the lottery, I said, I said, I sent some of the beer on it. I said, if I won the lottery, I was going to buy one of the sweets and just leave it up. You know, like, uh, it's, and, and well, I was going to call it the Abba <laughs> Suite, Anderson, Bassey, Brown, and, and Ardley, you know, and it could be the Anderson, the Abba Suite, you know. But um, I think Simon definitely deserves something. Um, and then you look at the people, the Avers, Chris Stewart. Eric Samuelson, you know, and a million others. How do you, you know, you'd, 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 it'd be like that, you know, the, where they found that, the graveyard of all the Chinese statues, you know, that there's hundreds of them on there. You know, the one I mean, I, I can't remember, it's like a Chinese sort of, go back on those years, you'd have to do something like that because, because there's people who, who you see down there who have been like volunteering from day one. Back to Plough Lane. Uh, there's been talks of London Broncos yep. uh, potentially ground sharing at Plough Lane. Uh, some are for, against it, some are for it. What would your views be for, say, yeah. London Broncos coming in and, and, and playing at Plough Lane? Well, if I'm the manager of the club, I'm going to the board and the groundsman and going, if London Broncos come in here, what does it do to the pitch? And if the groundsman says the pitch will be fine, I'll go take the money. But but I'd want that guaranteed. I'd want it guaranteed that the playing surface isn't affected. And if the playing surface isn't affected, where is there a pub a problem? You're gonna make you're gonna make money to pay back what you need to pay back. You're gonna it's gonna be money that some of it could be filtered into the playing budget. I think it would be a win win. But but that's okay because I've done a bit of research on, on the situation and rugby league fans because it's I think February to September so they played mainly in the summer uh, and also with rugby league it's totally different to union is there's there's not as many scrums yeah. uh, and there's not as much the turf doesn't get as much on it as as you would with rugby union so it's interesting yeah yeah I think I think I think that the other thing <laughs> of that then is that you you need to be careful of your um, your renovations, you know. Um, so if you're going to play all through the summer, when is the renovations? How do they work? That's a groundsman stuff. Some people these days rip the whole thing up and put a new one down. So that, but but I would say that if it's financially going good for the club and it doesn't affect the playing surface for the club, in other words, it stays like it is. And I was on it, and it's an absolute carpet. So if they can guarantee that, I would go. Why would you not? I, I would. My question would be: Guarantee me that. Why would you not want it? Okay. Well, Dave. Well, thank you very much for that, and, and thanks very much for joining us. Jay, you got anything else to say to Dave Anderson? No. Just say it's been a pleasure, mate. Great having a chat with you. Have you enjoyed it? Ah, yeah. bro, listen. Just point me in the direction. I'll talk all night. You know that's the problem. The problem is I can't. Yeah, what when I'm yeah. doing radio. 
we're always on a clock, so I know when to shut up. When I'm with you guys, <laughs> it's hard to shut me up. Well, you know Thank that. You've been around me before. But no, I've loved it. It's brilliant. Thanks, mate. Appreciate, Appreciate your time. It. Hope you feel better. <laughs> I'm going to send you a couple of Thank, thank you very much. It's all, been an absolute way. privilege Cheers, to talk to you. Thank you. All the best. Thanks, guys. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to the Wombles Had a Dream podcast. If you would like to contact us, you can do so by Twitter at Wombles Dream or via Facebook at the Wombles Had a Dream. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.